welcome to Said. I'm your host, Editor-in-Chief and Curious Style Voyeur, Jane Dagny. Said is the conversational complement to what's been written in Designers Today magazine. Said is also an acronym that stands for Something About Interior Designers. Here, through conversations with designers and decorators, manufacturers, marketing experts, business coaches, and others in our community, we'll acknowledge, celebrate, and explore that special je ne sais quoi that designers share and yet express uniquely. Designers are creators, people handlers, and life changers, artists and visionaries, extraordinary jugglers with powers often greater than they can see. We are intrigued and inspired over and over again. Enough said. On with the show. Hi, and thanks for joining the podcast. Today, my guest is Lisa Kahn. Lisa Kahn is the visionary behind Lisa Kahn Designs, an interior design firm based in Naples, Florida, soon to be celebrating its 20th year in business. As you'll soon discover, Lisa is invested in the idea of sanctuary. She lives and breathes it, dresses it, paints it. The desire for a peaceful place, though not yet named sanctuary, came to her 10 years ago when she was going through a very challenging time, as she'll explain in the podcast. This mindful concept that included calming rituals, self-care, and gratitude helped lift her out of a tumultuous time of change. She needed it for herself at first, and then it naturally parlayed into a design style that she could share and gift to her clients and coworkers, and it has become her brand. As I've gotten to know Lisa, meeting up at markets and through various contributions she's made to designers today, she wrote a beautiful piece for October's Manifesting by Design feature, there's something about this interior designer, actually many things that I admire. One, her ongoing curiosity to keep expanding her mind. Two, her storytelling ability and communication style. And three, her generosity and openness. In untraditional get-to-know-our-guest style, we don't recite About Us bios here at SED. Instead, we learn about our guests through what others have said about them. To find out more about Lisa, I asked Gail Doby, who has been Lisa's coach, consultant, and friend, to say something. Gail said, One word to describe Lisa Kahn is luminescent. I've had the pleasure of working with her for five and a half years, and I've watched her embrace the brand that has always been within her, Sanctuary. Her spirit embodies the movement she envisions and that we all need as the world becomes more complex and overwhelming. We all need peace and tranquility, and yet few people know how to capture it. Lisa beautifully expresses it in her design work, her writing, and her speaking. Then I also asked Pam Kane, Director of Marketing for Chelsea House, to say something about Lisa. And here's what she said. One day, about five or six years ago, I happened to see a beautiful room on Twitter that caught my eye. That's how I discovered Lisa's website. I browsed through her portfolio and immediately called the president of Chelsea House. I told him that I had a portfolio for him to look at because every room and every home that Lisa designed was the epitome of what we strive for with Chelsea House. Sophisticated, fresh, unique, and enchanting. I didn't know her, had no idea if she could design product or what type of person she was, but I took the risk and called her. What a pleasant surprise when we met Lisa and found the person behind the designs to be as lovely as her work. And boy, could she design product. Lisa's product designs are some of the most popular pieces and continued to be year after year. I truly believe that the spiritual depth that Lisa exhibits in her life, her focus on sanctuary, homes as refuge, her kindness and warmth comes through in her product designs. There is an authenticity in her life that comes through in her work, and Chelsea House has been blessed by the collaboration, as have I. That, dear listeners, is a prelude to Lisa Kahn. And now, let's bring her on. Good morning, Lisa. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Thank you so much for clearing your schedule and coming on the podcast. Oh, pleasure is mine. I have to tell you, um, and this could sound a little weird at the beginning, but I'm in the shower last night and I'm thinking of you. Okay, so that's that's where <laughs> that's the only maybe weird thing. But 
Um, I have some of my best thoughts in the shower, so I was, you know, putting my intentions on you. And every time I say your name, Lisa Khan, I think of Shaka Khan, right? <laughs> oh, that's kind of fabulous. But really. get this, Chakra Khan. Oh, nice. I mean, now see, now we're getting somewhere. So, um, for the, you know, I might be embarrassing myself, but Chakra Khan, Chakra Khan. <laughs> <laughs> So I just oh, you have just made my whole morning. That is fabulous. Oh well, it made my shower. So um, I was really excited <laughs> to share that. And then the only other thing that I want to share with you is I'm wearing a t-shirt. See, I got dressed for you. You did, even though I can't see you. You cannot see me, but I'll take a selfie. I am wearing a Excellent. shirt, and it says "Good Vibes Only." Oh, I like it. Yes. So this is I like it part of my preparation for you. And what I would love to know is how did what's your morning been like you know how did you prepare for this i love that you asked that actually you know i have a very um flexible but kind of set morning routine that i follow most mornings because i find it puts me in a place to start my day in in as much balance as i possibly can right i mean i think we all have funny things to get lobbed at us in the morning sometimes, but I try very hard to always meditate. I try very hard to always take time to sit down and write. I try to go out and be in nature for a little while and have a walk. And luckily I got to do all of those things today. And I got to have an absolutely stunning cup of coffee prepared by my loving husband. He really has a gift. It's nice to live with a barista. I have to say oh, yeah. that is a real treasure in these times. Yes. Um, but I did all of those things. And when I got to my office today, um, I had remembered to put on a couple of my favorite bracelets. You know, I don't know if you've ever heard of Love 13. Um, a friend of mine, Heather Wells out in San Diego, really makes some of the most beautiful crystal bracelets you've ever seen. And she uses such pretty stones and she puts these beautiful intentions with all of them. Mm -hmm. So today I picked my blue ones because they are really good for aligning with your throat chakra, which is about speaking your truth and being clear and easily understood. So how about that? Oh my gosh, I love it. That That's perfect. But I, okay, here's my question. So meditation, writing, being in nature, which you live in Naples. So I do. it's probably quite beautiful there. This time it is, year. although it's quite hot this time of year, I have to say. Not to complain, but it is. But then you can go outside. It's very easy. You don't have to think about layering. I mean, everybody's having a Correct. kind of nice weather right now. It's, it's early yeah. fall, so nobody's you know yeah. having a hard time. But um, so how much time is that? Because sometimes meditation, it's like, oh, God, I don't think I have the time to meditate. How much time do you devote to the meditation, to writing the pages? I devote 20 minutes to my meditation. And I devote about a half an hour to my page writing. And sometimes I have to condense the writing because I just don't have quite enough time or I need to just hurry up. And so I capture only a few thoughts. But, you know, honestly, I think it's more just doing it than how much time. I think we get something out of a five-minute meditation. Even a two-minute meditation is better than none. Sure, sure. Now, I, I put on my Simple mm -hmm. Habit app last night when I went to bed. That's when I try and fit my meditation yeah. in, but I just fall asleep, so. <laughs> well, that's not a bad thing. I think anything that can help us disconnect from the busyness of our minds and the things that come up during the day and really get into that relaxed place. I think sleep is one of our most deprived things these days. I agree. I agree. How much do you sleep? You know, in a perfect world, I would sleep seven hours every night. But honestly, I average more six or six and a half. Mm -hmm. Well, that's close. Yeah, it's not bad. That's not bad. And then you have a barista. You live with a barista. So <laughs> at six hours, you love it. it's okay. I, I, I know. I kind of live with one too. But I, yeah, we do cold brew these days. Yeah. You know, I love cold brew. And actually, I have expanded Philip's um, prowess. And I told him that he actually just has a beverage ministry because he also makes really, really good cocktails. <laughs> oh, I love that beverage ministry. So, okay. So we're talking about you, you're married to Philip. For how many years? Um, we are married. It's coming up on nine. Nine years. And this is mm -hmm. your second marriage? It is. I was also married for 20 years to a South African lighting designer. And I had two kids. So all good. Life is an interesting journey. All good. And you have dogs, right? 
I do. I have two. We call them the designing dogs. They come to the office with us every day. We have um, Springer Spaniels, a boy and a girl named Maggie and Max. And Maggie is really quite discerning. She waits for the most expensive silk rug custom samples to come in. We lay them down on the ground in the design library to look at them and instantly she's attracted to go there and take a nap right on top of it. Oh, I love that. <laughs> Dog friendly carpets. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Awesome. So um, I want to know a little bit about, you know, you and I've been talking recently a bit and, um, but I don't really know how you came to design. Like how, a little bit about your growing up, where you grew up and how you found design. Can you take me there? Absolutely. So I grew up in a little town in Northwest Ohio that had two traffic lights and it was very exciting when we got a McDonald's. So it's one of those kind of situations. It's a town called Ada. Um, it's about, I don't know, an hour north of Columbus and an hour south of Toledo, kind of over near the Indiana border. And when I was growing up, my father purchased a company that had a retail store that sold office supplies and had a big printing press in the basement. And over time, he sold the printing press off because he came from the newspaper industry originally. And he really went after the office supply business. And this was way before Staples and Office Max and, you know, Amazon and all that kind of stuff. So he developed that office supply industry into having multiple locations. And as a very natural outgrowth of selling things for the office, you know, people soon came in asking for a file cabinet. They didn't just want the file folders. They wanted the cabinet to hold it. And then, well, how about a desk and how about a chair? And so he started carrying office furniture and machines and things. And about that time, my mom took one of those through the mail courses. Do you remember when Sally Struthers used to be on TV late at night listing all of those degrees that you could do through the mail? Sure. <laughs> yep. So my mom decided to do interior decorating. Oh. And they started then to carry carpet and wallpaper and, you know, other things. And she started working on people's homes. So there was a very natural evolution in our family's business. Mm -hmm. And as I grew, we all worked there together especially in the summers and on the holidays, literally all five of us would go to work together in the morning. <laughs> we would all come home together at night. And I don't know, it just really worked out. I know not all families can do that, right. but ours really did. Um, and working with my mom was fun. I got to attend her library. I learned how to do drawings. I met clients with her. We um, went on drapery installs together, that kind of stuff. So I really grew up in the business. And she would let me do my own bedroom and, you know, help her move the furniture around. And it just really all evolved very naturally over time so that when it was time for me to go to college, yeah, it seemed like a good fit. I love that. Yeah. Oh, I love learning that just now. <laughs> it's so funny. Um, I have a lot of vintage magazines at home. And so mm -hmm. when you said, you know, that she studied through through um, the mail, or I mean, she went she, yeah. she, they would send the supplies and she would study kind of like the equivalent of an online course, I suppose now. That's right. Yeah, which, exactly. Which I know you, I mean, Miss Lifelong Learner, <laughs> I've learned <laughs> that about you, um, take a lot of courses. I do. I do. I really do love to learn. I think that our more natural state as human beings is in a state of expansion. So I'm always the happiest when I'm learning something. Yeah. I want to come back to that a little later on. Mm -hmm. Um so, okay, so design was in your blood, so to speak. Yeah. And when you got out of college, what did you study in college? I studied interior design and housing. Okay. And then you came out, and what did you do? You know, I was recruited in my senior year for by Lutron Electronics, ah. and they were looking for a corporate interior designer, and they sent the only other designer on their staff who was a graphic designer and a product designer out recruiting and they had a very aggressive recruiting program. Um, and they would go out to all the colleges and interview the best people in the programs as far as engineers and you know people for their other departments. And so when they came through and I ended up taking that job, there were probably 20 or 25 other people straight out of school and we all started at the same time. So it was really a fun place to go work right out of school. You went from you know, being surrounded by people in college and that mentality to people who were just freshly out of college. And it was really fun. And were they based in Ohio or did you move? 
No, um, they are actually based out of Coopersburg, Pennsylvania. So it was a big thing. I was a little nervous um, to go out there because I had never lived away from home in that kind of a way. I went away to college, but you know, it's different. Um, But my dad had told me that if I would go and try something for a year, just like buckle down and do it last a whole year that if I didn't like it, he would help me move back to Ohio and I could come and be his corporate designer because he would love that. Mm -hmm. Well, as it happened, um, the man who recruited me ended up turning into my first husband. (laughs) So I stayed at Lutron and, um, I stayed there. Actually, we lived in Pennsylvania for about four years before he was relocated in the company down to Boca Raton, Florida. So that's kind of how we ended up migrating down here. And then he started a business in Naples after we lived there for a few years. So interesting. Very interesting. Your your journey um, so far. And then I want to know where when you found your niche, um, when this whole sort of idea of sanctuary first took um, root in you, and then and then we'll talk about growing it and where it's going. Awesome. So I, you know, I started my firm in 2000. So this next year, we're getting ready to turn 20, which is kind of awesome, especially in Naples terms. There's a lot of very transient businesses down here. Um, but, you know, looking back at it now, about 10 years in to the um, existence of my firm was when we experienced a lot of change. And by a lot of change, I mean, you know, we were weathering, you know, the the rocky parts of the economy as we went through that particular recession, that was kind of the end of it. And I also, at that time, my staff reduced a lot in size, people were going and looking for other opportunities. And I also got a divorce from my first husband. So there was all these things that were happening at once. And in addition, my daughter, who is now 20, you know, was not 20 at the time, and she started having seizures every night. And so all of these things kind of came together in a big roiling I don't know, like it was not an easy time. It was just very tumultuous. I think that's probably the best word for it. And I found myself, you know, as a designer, where do you turn when you are just really feeling desperate about things? Well, you turn to your space and without really calling it sanctuary at that particular point, I really began doing everything that I could to infuse my environments with as much peace as possible, because I really did find that I felt more peaceful inside when I was in that kind of a surrounding. I think that's a very natural thing for, for all people. Actually. Shelter, you know, it, safety. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I really started doing that for myself at that point. And as we continued to unpack the health challenges that my daughter had. We ended up spending a lot of time in children's hospitals and children's mental health centers. And as her journey continued and as my divorce concluded, I honestly had this magical day where I was outside walking my dogs one morning around the lake behind my house. And I was just feeling incredibly down about everything. And I was wondering how I could you know, incorporate some of these challenges in my life in a way that I could actually use it to help me move forward rather than just feeling sorry for myself all the time. Mm -hmm. And as I turned the corner, one dog in each hand, you know, I looked down the lake and the sun was kind of coming up in this big kind of breeze blew across the lake. It lifted the ends of my hair. And I promise you, I actually heard the word sanctuary. It was like, it was whispered in my ear Mm -hmm. and I just stopped for a minute. And I thought, what a beautiful word. And as I continued my walk and went home, I thought, wow, that really resonates with me. You know, that sounds like the kind of thing that I've been creating for myself and honestly create for my clients as well. Maybe I just didn't have the right vocabulary to talk about it yet. And yeah, so that's really where it came from. It came from my own kind of dark night of the soul. And it also came just honestly God's lips to my ear. Right. So... So you you start to sort of embody this this word meaning it means something to you and I guess do you start living your life according to it does it start to dictate and I, dictate sounds like such a strong aggressive word but <laughs> does it start to guide you um, in other ways in other parts of your life Yeah you know it really has and I think I'm seeing that more clearly now 
um, than I did when this first sort of arrived in my life and I first became a channel for this wonderful concept. Um, you know, in the beginning, I just had to kind of get my life together, but it gave me the perspective um, that and also mm. a book that had been recommended to me by my business coach, Zobi, called The Obstacle is the Way. Um, together, those two things just really helped put my feet on a path where I was not feeling victimized. I was feeling more in charge and I was making choices and decisions to just keep my life going in a very positive and upbeat direction. So that's really when things started to get much better. Um, but I will tell you that sanctuary is such an interesting concept for me because it's continuing to evolve. Every week, I have a new realization, a new revelation, a new kind of download from the universe. And I'm like, wow, I am so happy that I get to do this thing, that I get to be plugged into this and learn this. And it's interesting. I know we talked briefly um, about lifelong learning, but you know, a lot of the classes that I have taken also have really played into that. And I continue to pick up new deeper parts of understanding through those as well. And so in that way, it becomes more of a life philosophy than just a design concept than just something that applies to our spaces. You know, it also applies to the way that I view my life. It's a new filter and it, it, you know, really plays into the way I treat my body. What is the food that I eat? You know, how do I look at money? What is my relationship with that? Um, how do I nurture my friendships? Right. Um, I don't know. There's just so much that it is, you know, a real platform for creativity. Like it just goes on and on. I, I, my mind is just blown by it. So, yeah, I mean, it's sort of what you, you answered that question. It's kind of this guiding principle and all different parts and facets of your life are feeding into it. But I want to go back a little bit and I want to talk about Gail Dobie and your choice to work with, work with Gail. When did you start working with Gail? You know, I started working with Gail um, about six years ago, and she had been recommended to me by a friend of mine um, who's an interior designer in Toronto uh, named Lisa Ferguson, and Lisa had been talking to Gail, and I was in a, you know, I know this timing isn't all exactly lining up, but it all fitted together, um, but I was feeling a burnt out in our industry. I was feeling like I didn't know if I wanted to continue in interior design or if I wanted to go into teaching or writing or doing something else. And so Lisa suggested that I talk to Gail and Gail was brilliant. And she said to me, you know, Lisa, I don't think what's burning you out is the industry. I think it's the way you're working. Mm -hmm. I think it's the way you're working within the industry. And she was really right. And as I talked to her about my concept of sanctuary, which she loved, she really challenged me to go not just talk about it, but really live it. And that was when the connections really started to be made for me. And Gail has been so instrumental in the, putting infrastructure to my business, helping me develop these guiding principles that keep us going. Um, she helped me make the decision to bring my husband onto my staff and for us to work together. And I did not do that lightly. Uh -huh. um, actually, one of our first VIP days was a big discussion about that. And, you know, she really has guided me through how do you read your financials and how do you project long-term profitability? And how do you know that you are designing a business that allows you to live the life that you want to lead? And I don't know, I just really have loved working with Gail. She has done so, so much for me. And when you talk about working with Gail, I know there are events and things that you do, but what does that working look like? Is it a, a monthly check-in? Is it uh, group conference calls? What is what is it like to work with somebody like Gail? You know, it actually is another thing that has evolved. Gail has many different things that she offers, you know, through her Gail Doby Consulting firms. Sure. And in the beginning, it was one-on-one, -on -one, well, two-on-one, -on -one, right? It was Philip and I together mm -hmm. um, working on the business with Gail. And we would have VIP days and uh, we would have monthly calls with her and just very intensive focus time on the business. And then she started something called the boardroom, which is a group of nine design firms from across the United States. And we get to, we originally got together twice a year and we would have retreats that were two or three days and we would get together and really focus on, you know, like one time we focused on hiring and team building and HR, you know, sure. kind of staff issues. Another time we focused on financial figures. And another time we focused on what our operations are and our, our proven processes and how documented they are. And it's been interesting because you're meeting with these other nine firms 
from across the United States that are all really at the top of their game in their market, and they're dealing with exactly the same problems that you are. So as much as you get out of Gail's coaching, which is great, you also get so much out of hearing from all of the other people and what they're struggling with, um, things that they've tried that have worked for them. We share resources together. And oh, I have loved that. Yeah, no, I have I... made lifelong friends in that group. It's just it's awesome. Well, you're putting everything into it. You're bearing you're you're bearing yourself. Um, yeah, you know, yeah, you're right. It, you know, revealing your vulnerability to each other really does create bonds that that stand the test of time. So what is Philip's role in, the, in your company? So initially, Philip came in and designed my first website. Um, he was doing my drawings and handling all of my IT. And that has really uh, developed over the years. And as we have been implementing something called EOS, which is the Entrepreneurial Operating System, he has moved into the role of integrator. Um, you know, at the top of their system, when they put that together, you have a visionary and you have an integrator. And the visionary obviously sets the vision for the company and kind of keeps the larger perspective on where you're going. And the integrator takes that vision and makes it happen with the whole staff that is accountable to them. So Philip has been um, filling that role for me. And it has been so clarifying for the business. I just can't tell you. And he really has a very strategic brain. So it's been a wonderful partnership in that. So you as visionary, and then Philip as integrator, and then who mm -hmm. else is in your firm? Who comes? Who else? So I also have... Um, a man named Michael Renucci, who has worked for me, believe it or not, all 20 years that I've been in business. I think I met him in and Atlanta. Yeah, you did. Yeah. You did. He's magic. Mm -hmm. um, just love him. He actually used to be my personal trainer, if you can believe that. And I was chatting with him one day at the gym and I said, oh my gosh, you don't want to get out of the gym, do you? Because boy, could I use a design assistant. And he laughed and he said, actually, I do want to get out of the gym. And I used to run an art gallery. I bet I could help you. And there you go. There you go. Yeah. I know. So, yep, I have him. I have a design assistant named Rob, who also helps us with a lot of our admin. Um, he kind of mans the front door and all of our inventory. I have a junior designer named Rachel, um, who helps me get all of our design work done and manages our drawings. And then I have an in-house bookkeeper named Lillian, who keeps the money side straight. So we outsource most of our marketing. We outsource part of our drawings. We outsource, you know, our CPA function. Um, so part of it is in-house and part of it is that we also have a virtual assistant who helps us with our client communications. So it's so, good. And so talking about your team, so you've got your in-house team, you've got your virtual, and then as far as, um, of course, I know the the lovely women from Media Matters who mm -hmm. are who you work with on uh, marketing and PR. I guess is is that do, their role? Yes. Mm -hmm. Uh huh. And how did you come to them? Why did you go outside rather than hire somebody in? Um, because I wanted really, really high expertise. And at the time, we had a very small office. You know, we recently moved into a much bigger building, and now we can fit some more people. <clears throat> but originally, we had a very small office. And I wasn't anxious to have to grow our team again. You know, there's a whole thing that goes along with more and more and more employees. Mm -hmm. And sometimes when you can hire the expertise and not necessarily have to have that as part of your direct staff every day, it can be a very lean way to move forward. Um, so I met Kathy Wall from the Media Matters originally when I went to a With It conference years ago and met her there, just really, really liked her, talked to her at the time about working together, but I was still kind of new and figuring things out. So then as I started working with Gail, Don Brinson, who also works at the Media Matters, was at one of Gail's events. And when I heard Don give her marketing speech, I just think Don is brilliant and hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. And every time I hear her give a marketing talk, I get something new out of it. And I just love being around her. So um, Philip and I talked to her about what they might be able to bring to the table, because this whole concept of sanctuary, how to get that to market, how to really talk about that, how to get the message out there, I felt a little mystified by that. So they have really plugged in and helped us with that. And then eventually also our working relationship was so good, they stepped in to help us do um, LisaCon designs as well. So they're really helping us with both brands. You've got a lot going on. And I'm saving, I, I want to talk about the next stage of Sanctuary in a minute, but I just want to also find out about your discipline, because you mentioned it. And when we first got on the phone, you talked about, you know, that you have some sort of set routines that are flexible. Um, so yeah. as far as work goes, how do you get things done 
efficiently and take on so much? So I, one of the things that came to my understanding as I started working with Gail and she said, you know, that I was probably burned out from the way I was working Mm. rather than just being in the interior design industry. She was really right. And so one of the things that Gail took a hold of um, with me in a very deep conversation was my time management skills. And I realized as I was working with her that I had really gotten into a very reactive mode. I was not in a proactive mode with my work. I was just constantly running around doing whatever it was that was catching on fire. And instead of, you know, standing back and kind of looking at the bigger picture and working in a more planful way, it just kind of evolved over time. And, you know, once you get in that, it's really hard to get out. So Gail suggested time blocking. And I will tell you that I was initially quite resistant to that, but it really is a wonderful way to keep everything moving forward. And you might not be able to finish every single thing that you've blocked into, you know, these different parts of your day, but it really does make sure that you end up working on all of it. Nothing gets neglected, nothing gets shelved. And so when I combined that with a system that my strategically minded husband brought to me called Getting Things Done by David Allen, um, those two things have really revolutionized the way that I manage my life. It's not just work. It's everything because, you know, I do nonprofit things. You know, obviously I'm going to school. We have kids. There's a household to run and a business and so many different aspects. How do you do all of that? And my productivity system is probably the most beautiful gift that Philip ever gave to me. He really took me by the hand, sat down with me helped me put it together physically, mentally. He supported me in it. He would sit down and do my weekly review with me for the first few weeks so that I could get in the habit. And I just can't tell you what a beautiful gift that was. Do um, It changed everything. Yeah. I was, as, as you're speaking, I was just thinking, you know, working with your spouse and um, it seems that it's going really great for you and Philip. Like, is there any particular challenge that you have with that or does it just seem to kind of flow? You know, it works. And I think it works because Philip came in and I was already established in what I was doing. So we didn't have to have any worry about whose role was what. I was already in charge. I was already making the decisions and I was already running the show. So he was very happy to come in and be in a more supporting role. And he really has never had an issue with that. So I think sometimes people's egos can get engaged and there can be a bit of a push pull, but that just is not him. Mm -hmm. So it hasn't been a problem for us. And we also have a very direct communication about it. And if he's doing something that I don't like, I just sit right down with him then and say, look, this is not working. I don't let it fester. And he does the same. And it, we've learned to not take it personally when the other person talks to us. And we've also learned to communicate in ways that don't push the other person's buttons. I think that's such a big part. It's really all about communication. That's yes. the answer to being able to work together. And, you know, as long as we can, you know, there are certain things that I can say or a certain tone of voice that will just really set him off. So I just don't do those things. You know, I work around his little isms and he definitely works around mine. Mm -hmm. But it's funny because honestly, Jane, we work so much that if we didn't work together, I don't think we'd ever see each other. Right. Right. So I'm quite grateful that we do. And I'm also really glad because he is along for the whole sanctuary journey. It's just, it's so amazing. And I don't have to stop and try to explain it to him because he knows he's right there. And in fact, he adds his own things to it. You know, GTD and time blocking are another part of sanctuary living. Why would it not be? It brings you, you know, peace. It brings you organization. It brings you balance. Sure, sure. Like sanctuary is not, it doesn't mean you're living like the the total hippie, you know, um, life of not being plugged in. It's, it's, it's very current. So, okay, so let's talk about sanctuary. I kind of was thinking, it's kind of like sanctuary 3.0, because I feel like the original um, sanctuary was like a discovery of of sort of getting used to the to the word and what that meant. And then, so that's 2010, and then figuring that there's just this sort of really getting comfortable, really getting familiar, growing the brand, and now mm-hmm. you're taking it in a new, expanded direction. And I want, would love to um, hear about it and share that. Oh, well, thank you for asking. Yeah. It's my favorite thing to talk about. I think you probably already figured that out. Yes. <laughs> <clears throat> you know, um, Certainly, I use it as a guiding principle for our design work. Um, Whether clients ask me for it or not, it is the underpinning 
of the design work that I do. But as I have continued to unpack the multiple meanings and the multiple opportunities for life that sanctuary brings for me, for Philip, for our family, for our company, I have just really had my eyes opened to all of the other things that sanctuary can be. And, you know, to me, as it started out, just really creating peace in the environments around us, because I really believe it inspires that peace inside of us. That really was our kind of beginning for sanctuary. I can see it more, as I mentioned, as a life philosophy now. And so what does that mean? Well, it means so much that I'm still discovering it. And I started out by writing a blog, which I've been doing for the past few years and love doing. It's called Mm FindingSanctuary.com. And I write there every other week about various things that come up, various things that I love, various trials and tribulations, some of the funny things that happen. You know, I just really have tried to share as much of my sanctuary journey there and these awakenings that I've been having as possible. And that community is really growing and thriving. And it's really just such a fun little treasure trove of goodness. I I just really love that. So writing the blog has been a pleasure. Um, I outlined a book and sent a a proposal off to an editor that I know. So we'll see at some point there will be a sanctuary book, whether it's going to be this one or another one. Mm-hmm. Um, I also am getting ready to launch an e-commerce site that will be accessible through both our normal website and our blog. And it's going to have, you know, curated items that people can buy to create sanctuary for themselves, to live this more sanctuary approach to life that we were talking about, that kind of thing. And eventually I would like to design a sanctuary home collection that we could feature on there. So Mm -hmm. I have kind of both short and long range plans with all of that. Um, I have also enjoyed public speaking. Gail has invited me to speak at several of her events, and they have just been speaking about sanctuary to a large group of people. It really lights me up in a way that almost nothing else does. I love public speaking, and it's such a great way to share the message in a very authentic and real kind of a way. So I really would like to continue doing more of that. And the Media Matters has been wonderful at helping me find opportunities. So right. that continues to grow. But I think a whole speaking series there certainly is um, on the horizon as well. Gail has suggested maybe even a TED Talk here at some point. So I would love that. When you were talking about some of the different places where sanctuary can go and books, of course, it's books is such a natural a book rather is such a natural mm-hmm. extension of you i mean you write every day or almost every day yeah. in morning pages and um so it's just a, a beautiful natural extension but i was just thinking um and i know you have a, a bunch of other ideas but house plans like working with a maybe you're already doing this but just i thought you know like really to to build that home that feels like a sanctuary where architecturally yeah. oh yeah it's aligned with everything else and there's just it's i love this lisa I know I do too. You know, I just met an architect, Jane, um, who is kind of moving into a stage of semi-retirement, but he has a really deep and abiding interest in sacred geometry. And so I reached out to him to ask if Mm. we might be able to put together a couple of plans in a collaborative effort that would be based on sacred geometry. Because I just have this feeling that by using some of that math, that what that will do to the way that the energy resonates in the spaces will just be sublime. And I really want to be in a space that's like that. So um, we've been chatting. So I, I do think some interesting things will be on the horizon. And I love that you brought up house plans. Yeah, I just, uh, I think I was um, writing something recently, and it, it just, it's a kind of top of mind for me. Um, another thing I want to talk to you about is you mentioned the other day, the idea of unretirement, but you called it something <laughs> different. And, you know, here, here you are just brimming with all these ideas for sanctuary, which is, you know, this rollout in the next, I don't know, from now till whenever, probably forever you'll be living it. Um, Exactly. What's, tell me your, your vision for retirement or unretirement. Well, I love the term unretirement. I think that definitely fits it better. You know, I live in the land of retirement. So many people retire to South Florida. Um, I live in a in a neighborhood that has a lot of retired people in it. So I'm really surrounded with what that energy looks like and what that lifestyle can look like, both the busy ones and the non-busy ones. And 
it's interesting because that whole concept just has never really resonated with me. And I think it's also because of where I grew up. You know, you grew up in that small town in Ohio and there's a lot of farming that goes on in that area. And, you know, farmers don't really retire. They just keep on working until they can't work anymore. And I'm a little bit more familiar with that approach um, than, you know, stopping working when I'm 65 and, you know, taking up tennis and golf and doing a lot of the things that I see, you know, around me every day. So Philip and I met with our financial advisor. And as we were discussing through, you know, kind of what our future path looks like, you know, our, our savings, when we will be able to pull back from the business a little bit, Philip made a brilliant suggestion. He said, what if we don't ever retire and we rather call what happens next the art life right now we get to live the art life 1.0 keeping in mind that he's a musician and also super creative mm -hmm. then you know in 10 years let's roll out art life 2.0 and then we'll have art life 3.0 and with each successive rollout we get to be a little bit more in charge of our time every day you know right now our time during the workday is very much dictated by what the business needs um, but we designed what does a perfect art day life look like. And then we started incorporating some of those things into our daily living. And actually, that's part of where my morning routine came out of, because those are the kind of things that I would like to have be part of that art life. And so I'm like, wow, you know, why aren't we doing that now? So instead of now looking at this big looming thing and feeling like we're, you know, saving money and racing toward a certain age when we don't have to work anymore, I just have this beautiful unfold that's happening and that will continue to be happening, you know, for as long as I live. So you just moved your offices. We that was did. Like we bought a building. Mm -hmm. Yes. At long last, we actually own our spot. We bought a space that's about twice as big as we did have. And it is just so marvelous. We're still working through the rest of the renovation, which I'm having a brand new sympathy for a lot of my clients who renovate. But, you know, it's just where we are right now. So we're getting there. Sure. And is how far is it from where you live? Um, it's about 15 minutes. And is it a freestanding building? Is it an it older building? It is. is mm -hmm. It is. You know, it was built in the 90s and mm -hmm. it's a freestanding building and it's really cute. It has shutters and a little cupola up on top. It's like just a little over 3,000 square feet. It has, I don't know, it's just super charming. Finding a freestanding building in Naples is almost impossible because everything down here is either big, tall buildings or strip malls. Right. I was going to ask you about the Naples design scene or just the buzz, because I, last I heard, it's just like, oh, Naples is just exploding all the time. Is it still just total explosion of building and people? It is. There? You know, we still primarily most of our work is um, new construction. After all this time, you know, a lot of the buildings here, be probably because of our weather, you know, they don't hold up all that well, especially through the big storms and things. So people tend to buy a property and if they don't like the house that's on it, they just tear it down and start over. Right. But yes, the Naples market is really thriving. You know, Forbes put out an article last year that identified Naples as especially Port Royal, which is the really deep downtown south area where most of our work is, as the most expensive neighborhood in the entire United States. How about that? Oh, wow. Well, I know. Yeah. Well, good. <laughs> it's good for design. I know. For sure. You're in a good place. So your new building, yeah. um, it houses your design uh, it does. design business. And then is there a community space inside or will there be? You know, actually, we have some extra offices in the back, and I've got my eye on those because one of the other things that I'm intending to roll out for Sanctuary is Sanctuary Consulting, because this whole life philosophy really wants and needs to be shared. And as I put those packages together, I thought those back rooms that I could combine them and put some art area back there, because I could just really see some wonderful VIP days and team building days for corporations where we can bring people in and we can really address what the philosophy of sanctuary is and then we can do some fun things together like art therapy and you know sound baths that kind of stuff and we'll have a really great spot for it but i did put in a meditation room which i'm really excited about right next to my office oh that's great i want to see it well i know i know you'll have to come down it's <laughs> going to be fun for sure so um you shared some beautiful watercolors with me that you i did that you are taking a watercolor class online and yep and when you when we were talking about art, you were t talking about how you do it because you know if you ha if your expectations are too high about you know producing some gorgeous whatever perfect piece of art, 
it's very hard to get it done to start put, putting the brush on paper. And yeah. I just, because I'm not as eloquent as you speaking about it, I want you to speak a little bit about the process of art for you and, and what you call the inner editor. Well, you know, I love doing creative things out of the office. And I think it has been one of the revelations of my marriage to Philip is, you know, he has such a deep relationship with his musical muse. He loves to go into his studio and just write music. And he has such a gift for it. And he really honors that part of himself. And on a regular basis, he doesn't make himself finish cleaning up the kitchen and fold all the laundry and do all the other things that I usually do before I sit down to be creative. He just must answer the call of his muse. And I have found that it has helped me give myself permission to develop my own relationship with my muse. And so it has led to some wonderful adventures, cooking adventures, gardening adventures, some art adventures. And recently I decided that I really wanted to tackle watercolors because they've always been difficult from my point of view and something that I found super frustrating, but I love the effect of it so much that I figured it, it can't be that hard. So I signed up for some classes and things online and I have been spending time once a week doing a watercolor project. And some of those were the ones that I sent you. And you know, it's really surprising when you have a wonderful teacher like I do, who really guides you in using the water for the magical medium that it is kind of leaning into the water rather than hating and being like, oh, it's bleeding right. over here. Or, oh, no. <laughs> you know, and now I have a little bloom in the middle or I dropped something on the corner of the page. She just really encourages you to enjoy that and lean into it. And so she also is just all about getting the brush in the paint and getting it down on the page. And it has helped me free up that inner editor that we all have where it's just, you know, I love things to be perfect. I love things to be beautiful and moving away from that into something where I can be more accepting and more flowing and just not listen to those cruel voices in my head that are like, oh my God, you're ruining the painting. Did you really put that brushstroke there? You know, not just not doing that. And I also find that when the inner editor is particularly difficult, a glass of champagne helps a lot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Quiet that editor down. I know. I mean, after all, it's not like you're you're not doing photography. If you wanted, you know, that crystal to be the perfect crystal, you would have yeah. put it in beautiful light and photographed it. But it the, totally the watercolor has your mark on it and um Yeah. Yeah. So who what online course are you taking? So right now I am enrolled at a school in San Francisco called the California Institute for Integral Studies. And I am part of their department um, called Philosophy, Cosmology, and Consciousness. And I'm pursuing a master's degree that is in those things. And I actually think I'm going to go after my doctorate when I'm done. Um, I just really, what I've come to understand is that when you go for a master's degree, what they do is they reveal to you the map of human understanding. And you really get exposed to just so many disciplines and so much information and so many great minds of our time. But as you incorporate that and learn that, then going after your doctorate gives you a chance to actually add to the map of human understanding. Mm. And when I heard that, I was just like, wow, you know, if I can learn more what the science is behind sanctuary and why it works, because, you know, the advancements in the fields of physics and neuroscience and psychology and ecology and just the whole transdisciplinarity that's happening out there right now as we look at these very big social um, and planetary issues that we're facing as human beings, it really sanctuary is a part of all of that. And I actually think that it can be part of a path forward for everyone, um, especially if I can understand why it is that it works so well and be able to talk about that in a way that is compelling and educated. So I am really jazzed by this. And what I'm taking right now is an introduction class to that particular department. And they're introducing us to a lot of the great minds that are at this school um, and that are really out there right now writing on philosophy, cosmology, and consciousness. It's a little mind-blowing. Right. Some of it I have to read out loud because it's so academic that I have a hard time following the trails of thought sometimes. But honestly, overall, my whole intellectual center just lights up and buzzes and I just love it. So have you always been curious like this and hungry for knowledge or did, you, did it come about later? 
You know, it's very funny. I was always good in school, but I couldn't wait to get out of school. Like mm-hmm. I did not love college. I did not love high school. And I just really wanted to be done. And part of the reason that I studied interior design, honestly, was because at the end, I had a profession. Like I could just go out and work. I didn't want to do grad school. I didn't want to have to continue like a lot of my friends were doing. Um, but something happened around my 40th year, you know, that was around the time my divorce was starting and other things. And sometime in the past few years, I read Elizabeth Gilbert's book, Big Magic. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you've read that. That's such a great book. Mm -hmm. I love her concept of the curious mind. And as I was looking my 50th birthday square in the face, I thought, what can I do for myself this year that marks the journey I'm on, the person that I am, the interests that I have. And it just came to me in a moment. And it was like, go back to school, get a master's degree. And I started studying transformational psychology, actually. And I took some classes in that as well. Um, So I was just thinking kind of jokingly with myself, you know, here, you're getting ready to be 50. It's Naples. A lot of people here are very into plastic surgery. And they get that for their 50th birthday. And so I gave myself plastic surgery for my mind. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's funny and I I just love it you know I obviously none of us can control what is going on on the outside of us but I sure can control what's going on on the inside and I'm really finding that um, the truth is it's so much more interesting to learn something and it keeps you interested in life and everything else that's going on around you because I don't know it just keeps the it keeps the energy flowing between the old years I agree. I agree. And sometimes, um, like I just reading the New York Times in the morning when I can actually read the Times, I feel like that gives me an education. And I start to my mind just starts to, you know, all my synapses are firing off and and I'm just getting new ideas. And um, I think it's so important to read and, and to, to listen. And it's just, yeah. Yeah. I've got it. No, it really is. Yeah. And you know, you know, I have a particular affinity for that beautiful brain of yours. <laughs> I love our conversations. Oh, they always are interesting you. and fabulous. Yeah, thank no, you. I mean it. Well, it's just the beginning of, of that. I mean, I can't wait to visit you. I really want to visit you in Naples. Um, oh, please you know, because do. also we'll so much fun. Now that I'm out of Florida, it's like, I, you know, I kind of yearn to visit. Um, yeah, especially in the winter, I'll be yearning to visit, but I definitely want to do that. And I just want to say, um, you know, I'm excited about our October issue. Um, you contributed to the Manifesting by Design story, and you, oh, yeah. you brought so much to that story. I I loved what you shared, and um, oh, thank you. And I think this conversation is ongoing. And I do too. Uh, yeah, and I want to keep up with you and and Sanctuary Enterprises and the new building, and just you know, just keep in touch because. I think that you have so much to share that's important for our community. So I'm really oh, glad that we did you, this Jean. podcast. I think I hope people listen and, and really uh, can relate to it because um, I can relate to it. And I just I think it's very valuable. So thank you. Well, thank you. Oh, yeah. gosh, the pleasure is mine. I'm really honored. Thank you for having me today and for being interested. Oh, my goodness. Totally. I mean, we could go on and on, but but I'm not going to because I want people to be able to listen to this in a commute or in, you know, two commutes. So it's all good. So um, thank you, Lisa, and be well. My pleasure. Thank okay. Bye. Bye. Thanks so much for listening to SED. Be sure to visit designerstoday.com for more style, substance, and soul and also to subscribe to our magazine. Till next time, I'm Jane Dagney, Editor-in-Chief of Designers Today.